0: Morning and welcome to Faith FM you're listening right across Australia on 87.6 87.8 or 88 on the Faith FM network wherever you are we pray that you're doing well we hope that you're doing well we have uh as a result of, of prayer or supplication of whatever it may be, have finally gotten our show together literally seconds before, <laughs> seconds before we've come live, live, and not because of disorganization, you know, things just go wrong, things happen. So it's if the you, machines. if you had a, if you heard a party happening during the news, which some of you did, I got some text messages, uh, already <laughs> of people being like, is there, is there supposed to be, cheering and partying no we weren't having a party in the studio we were just trying to work out why we couldn't hear any sound and there was all all kinds of weird and wonderful things happening ah, but, the live radio. but you can hear us now right yes well,
1: hopefully you can they hear- can
0: I I believe so. If we can hear ourselves, they should be able to hear us.
1: Oh, is that how it works? You know,
0: it's kind of like the thing of if you close your eyes, then no one can see you. (laughs)
1: Well, hopefully if I can hear myself in my head, not everyone on the street can hear what's going on in my head. Fair enough, that's right. (laughs) That would be scary. Monica, what are you
0: grateful for this morning? (laughs) Oh,
1: let me tell you. Last night, I'm looking after some dogs and I went for a walk with them last night. I had to drive them to the reserve. And something about my car at the moment, with the heat wave, it's playing up the electrical windows. And so I didn't realize when I got back home... That one of the windows didn't wind up as I got out of the car, and my my car sat there the whole night on the street with the window wide open, and nobody stole it or stole anything out of it. So I'm very grateful for that today. That's good. Yeah. What are you grateful for?
0: Ah, uh, grateful that my windows in my car work. <laughs> I am also I'm also grateful that the show is running. I'm grateful that yesterday I got to. Hang out at Newcastle Uni, one of the few times I I will this year, as I was working at Newcastle Uni and now I'm no longer, but one of my friends from Japan, they're going back to Japan and I got to see them for the last time before they jump on the plane today. So that was was really cool. Well, coming up in today's news, we're going to be talking about natural disasters and how we've just continually been rocked by them, the situation in New Zealand that is quite intense at the moment, as well as... Pro surfing and some interesting things happening in that space. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Where we are bringing you all things positively different radio, blessing you with all kinds of amazing content, great (laughs) stories, but especially a prize to be won at the end of the week. And we now give you the opportunity to be able to get in the draw to win that prize with our first clue for the quiz.
1: Yeah, well done, Lawson. (laughs) He didn't say the word question. That's right. I, I've been I, pra- was I, was, I was
0: practicing in front of the mirror this morning, like you know, putting real pressure. on my, I'm going to lose my job if I say question again. So, <laughs> <laughs> the high pressure, high pressure situation.
1: Well done. Well, today's quiz is a what creature am I quiz, and the first clue goes like this: The Lord proclaimed that those who insult and reproach His people will be devoured by this creature. Mm. Mm. Uh, the, zero, uh, the number to call is zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. You can text as well and tell us what you think. That is, it's worth five hundred points. Remember, if you get it wrong, you're out for the day and you have to wait for tomorrow to get a chance in. If you get a chance in, <clears throat> your name will be in the draw to win a double set of cookbooks from the Revived Cafe. Uh, which is Auckland's healthy food haven, a famous cafe over in New Zealand, uh, doing amazing vegetarian and plant-based stuff um, with a long, long list of delicious recipes. Mm-hmm. And uh, and you can win both of those if you tell me, what creature am I? The Lord proclaimed that those who insult and reproach his people will be devoured by this creature.
0: 0491 064 And, of course, all of these types of prizes, you know, board games and cookbooks, they come with the extra added promise that Monica and I might come to your house and let you cook us a meal from what do you your mean, amazing. Might
1: it's a guarantee. Oh, we're gonna do it. Okay, okay, okay. That's all right. I'm turning up. I'm hungry. I, okay, I know that
0: we have some listeners in Western Australia. Yeah, well, we have some internationals as well. We, you know? We'll
1: take express posted casseroles if we have to. <laughs>
0: Or we could get on the plane. And just,
1: I just, do you know what? I'm down. Let's just, <laughs> let's just do go it. go traveling.
0: We're we're keen to hang out with you. But uh, yeah, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call to get in to get your uh, answers in yeah. for our quiz this morning. But Monica, what's happening in the realm of oh, positively different news?
1: Man, I like I have so many tabs open on my computer right now, <laughs> and just full of good news. I know, uh-huh. that, I know that so much is going wrong, and so much seems despair, and just. Mm. Bleak, but there are so many good things happening around the world. I've got so many good stories about stuff that humanity is doing for each other. I've got great stories about nature and oh, just incredible things. This one really made me laugh. Um, so you can now bring joy to a children's hospital by building a snowman to match the drawings done by the, the patients. Obviously, probably a little bit harder in Australia. I wish they would launch this in Australia and have like a sandcastle version. (laughs) Sandman, not sandman, sandcastle. So this is a unique project. It's being done in Colorado at the Colorado Children's Hospital. Um, They've been running it for a couple of years. They started it during uh, COVID when you know the kids were depressed, being stuck indoors and all that, and have visitors. Um, And so it's, it's it's literally just strangers. Um, and it's called the Say Hi with a Snowman campaign. And Mm -hmm. if you look up on any social media, the hashtag Say Hi with a Snowman, you'll find a series of the most hilarious photos. So kids who are stuck in the hospital can draw their version of a perfect snowman, and their artwork is matched with volunteers who then bring the snowman drawing to life. Uh, So this has been running for a couple of years and uh, runs to the end of March, which is traditionally Colorado's snowiest month. And so families who are interested in building these film can actually just sign up online and they're paired with a patient and, uh, and then they bring the frosty design to life and they submit their photos or video to the Children's Colorado team and uh, and they get shared with the kids and the kids apparently just love it. Mm. Can you imagine as a kid, like, you know, there's little scribble drawings you did and then some adult goes, you know what, I'm going to make this for reals. I've seen, like, um, I know there's a lady in Melbourne, a teacher in Melbourne who's been taking her kids, her classroom kids, uh, their pictures and turning their monsters that they've drawn into real teddy bears. Like she sews them into real, you know, stuffed toys.
0: That is so intense. And I they're was so a, cool. I was a really bad drawer.
1: Yeah, but they, do you know what? Those bad drawings that kids do actually translate really well as some cute stuffed toys. she was was, she Shel, shell sent me an article about this recently about the stuffed toys and it's so cute. So this is a bit similar, except they're mm. making them out of snow. Mm. And, I wish I I could. wish Rayo had, like, a visual aspect because I would just post all these pictures for you to see. They're hilarious. Like, some people have had to, like... I wonder if some people got their submission and been like, oh, man, this is a bit harder than we thought it was going to be. Some (laughs) of the kids have, like, given their snowman wings and capes and crowns and they're multicoloured and they've really had to go all out to figure out how to, like, dye the snow colour. Oh, it's so cute. Anyway, it's a simple act that just brightens the kids' days and apparently it's been... Um, they're trying to test whether it's uh, lowering the stress like in a in a measurable sense mm. because they said that the feeling inside the hospital has been of a lower stress uh, capacity. Oh, nice. And it also creates positive memories for families in the outdoors. And this is actually an initiative done by Generation Wild, mm-hmm. uh, which was formed by the Great Outdoors Colorado um, Initiative. And basically their whole shtick is to get kids outside and spending time in nature. And, uh, and look at it. It's working. Do you want to have a look at this one? Look at that one.
0: That is, that looks like a snowman that's been stabbed. Don't it, say that. Okay. They, they okay.
1: To, it's, a, it's a girl one and she's wearing a pink dress. She's a princess uh-huh. snowman. And so they had to. <laughs>
0: this is my favorite that one. That was my favorite. It's a snowman too. that is also a monkey <laughs>
1: yeah. with a hat.
0: <laughs> And a scarf, and
1: huge ears that is awesome. <laughs> they've done really well to get like three heads on the one snowman because the ears are the size of the head, anyway, super cute. go have a look, uh say hi with the snowman initiative. Oh, I can't oh, how much oh I, I, wanna...
0: I just want to ask you a question yeah. Monica, have you spent many winters in the snow?
1: I've spent a few, not many.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. Have you ever made snowmen before?
1: Yeah, small ones. I've
0: never, I've never done that.
1: Actually, no. no my best one was uh, one I made with DJ Shell. DJ Shell, where were we? Oh, we were in Oregon, weren't we? And we made the cutest snowman on Valentine's Day. That was really cute. Yeah, and we had, um, we had a box of like in America, like their Valentine stuff is just way more than intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had this like heart shaped box of chocolates. And I took the lid and put it on his, where his heart was. Aww. He was our Valentine there. <laughs> <laughs> we, had, we did a whole photo shoot with him and a scarf and a hat and all the, all the paraphernalia. Oh, ah,
0: that's shot. awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. He was the biggest and he was probably about this high, whatever mm-hmm. the high that is.
0: Okay. So, shorter than me, shorter <laughs> <Yeah>. than you, <laughs> yeah. short king, yeah. getting it done. Amazing. <laughs>
1: Okay, get this. You know those dancing lemurs? Those ones that, like, like when they move, they, like, dance, they go sideways? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're critically endangered. Um, mm. And one has just been born in the UK. So this is apparently a landmark moment for this species. Mm. Uh, so the parents were sent from a US zoo to the UK. And uh, this is the first time they've managed to successfully breed the dancing lemurs um, in Europe. And so they had a precious little baby. Uh, so the. The species name is cockerel Sifaka, and that's um, their proper name. We just call them dancing lemurs. Um, so they arrived at Chester Zoo in on December nineteenth. So really, just a couple of months ago, and he was just weighing a uh, hundred and nineteen grams. Uh, so the, the new baby is just weighs one hundred nineteen grams, following a hundred and thirty day pregnancy. How long is a human pregnancy? What does nine months translate nah. to? Oh, I can't. Do what that. does nine months translate to? into days? Like. Ooh. Yeah, I can't do maths.
0: 250 this in the morning. Two hundred and fifty? Is it? Or two hundred eighty or three hundred maybe? Do you maybe? ever
1: get frustrated when people who are pregnant talk about weeks? And I'm like, can you just get it in months? Because I don't know weeks. Yeah. Hold <laughs> 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 yeah. on, oh, like I'm in the trimester, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what's that in months? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the proud parents Beatrice and Elliot, who are both age ten, successfully bred after being transferred from a U.S. zoo as part of a program to protect this critically endangered species, Uh, This is the first time that one of them has been born in Europe, and I gotta tell you, like, if you thought those snowmen were cute, baby lemurs are adorable. You have to jump online and check out um, the little baby lemurs. Oh, so cute! So, gender is actually not yet known. uh, So, apparently, it takes a while for that to um, be like viewable. And uh, but there are. just adorable pictures and photos that show uh, the mum Beatrice and she's like showing the cute little baby. It's enclosure. She's like giving it the tour of its new home. She's like, welcome to earth. This Mm -hmm. is where we live. It's Mm -hmm. so cute. Um, and so, uh, Mark Bracel, who is a curator of mammals at Chester Zoo, said, It's really exciting to be the first team of conservationists in Europe to successfully breed this unusual and extremely rare primate. Mm-hmm. While it's still early days, both mum and baby are doing great. Look at them. Aww. Isn't it cute? They're so cute. I love the colouring. Yeah, I love how, turn. like,
0: they have this like white fur and then these like deeply black faces and then these beady orange eyes. Yeah, it's gorgeous.
1: Anyway, so there is good news happening out there in the world. Some really cute news. So check it out. Jump online, just have a little Google around and uh, you'll find some great stuff that's still happening out there, Um, even though the world can be a bit dark sometimes.
0: You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Nine months is about 270 days.
1: Oh, thanks for Googling that for me. I
0: didn't Google it. Brayden sent it in. Oh, Shout out, Brayden. Thanks Braden. for
1: Googling that, Brayden. <laughs>
0: so I uh, I said 280, so I was pretty close. I said yeah, between 250, 280, something like that. What, My,
1: what is it again? Two hundred, About
0: 270 days.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, you were pretty. Yeah, that's
0: so I'm, I'm, I'm in the ballpark. I know, <laughs> I know maths sometimes. <laughs> hey, you're listening to The Breakfast Show, and we have another... Clue for the quiz:
1: What creature am I? After being struck down by an angel, Herod's body was eaten by these. Oh, Ugh.
0: intense! <laughs> I'm
1: about to eat my breakfast now. I'm not so sure. about Hey, it <laughs> if you know the answer
0: to that one, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call or text, and you can get yourself into the draw to win amazing prizes. Right?
1: Yeah, you can get a double set of the Revive Cafe Cookbook, and between the two of them, you have like. Oh, I want to say almost two hundred recipes right there. So yeah, amazing. Full color, by the way, full photograph color, just gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, tell us what creature am I after being struck down by an angel? Herod's body was eaten by these.
0: Mm, amazing. Hey, you are listening to the breakfast show. We're going to have some more interesting, epic, amazing news. But uh, Brayton has just informed me that he also googled it. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So I was. What
1: would we do with that Google?
0: <laughs> I'm like, you know, nothing. But he said, he said, but then no, simultaneously he said it is just nine times 30, which that's not true. I
1: knew it was nine times, well, with roughly because a month, it's a month and a month is roughly 30 days, right? And it's nine months. So yeah, it is nine times 30. It's not though. It is.
0: It, it's it's not. Well, what you, it, how is it not? I guess he said it? about, it's about ah, yeah, 270, yeah. but it's, yeah, it's a great way know. to
1: guesstimate it. But the thing is, Braden. I can't do nine times thirty at seven in the morning. Yes, you can. <laughs> no, you just I have can't. to. You
0: just have to believe. What's well, nine times three?
1: It's seven in the morning. <laughs> it's seven in the. Don't ask me anything mathematical. Okay.
0: At this point. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. You're listening to the breakfast show this morning, and as I said in our intro, we're going to talk a little bit about just the gnarly natural. It's twenty-seven.
1: Natural... Okay, go on.
0: <laughs> the gnarly natural disasters that is happening in our world this morning. Uh, particularly, we've seen over the last months the cyclone in New Zealand. I actually had a friend who was in New Zealand at the time about to step on their plane and the heavens opened. And oh. so luckily they were saved and they, they ended up getting the plane out. But we've been seeing, you know, this cyclone in New Zealand, it happened a, f- a, little, a little while ago now, a couple of weeks ago. But still, uh, apparently, so far there have been unfortunately eleven people who have died, no. which is devastating. But also, there are six thousand people currently missing, apparently what? or unaccounted for, up to this day. Six thousand people, which is I, I don't think that they've you know been crushed. In a landslide or something like that, they haven't just disappeared off the face of the earth. Just mm. so many people have been displaced as a result mm-hmm. of this cyclone happening, and there's so many houses without power, without uh, water. But it just, we've just seen this major displacement of. Thousands and thousands and thousands of people to the point where they still don't know where 6,000 people are that are that are completely unaccounted for. And we, we think of those who have lost their lives and their families as well. Over in Turkey too, in Turkey and Syria, they've already had, they reckon, about 6,000 aftershocks after the earthquake that has claimed the lives of 45,000 people. They've had about 6,000 aftershocks, and including one that happened yesterday, there was a 58 tremor itself so 5.8 on the Richter scale which is a that is like huge in and of itself that's massive that's that's the earthquake that was in Newcastle that was the Newcastle earthquake I believe it was 1989 and people died and buildings collapsed and all kinds of crazy things happened. like 5.8 is nothing to you know scoff at yeah yeah so we can just see the continual natural disasters the continual falling apart of our world and I think it's just a constant reminder what's happening there in, in Turkey, what's happening in New Zealand, uh, of yeah, just the, the the devastation that is being brought about of by our world falling apart. Of course you can support a number of charities that are helping to help those that are working to help those people and specifically we are huge supporters and uh you know co signers of ADRA here on the show, you can get in touch with ADRA. And ADRA's specific goal when it comes to helping people in these situations is helping those who have been displaced find shelter in mm. housing. So mm-hmm. particularly in New Zealand, as they're trying to help these people in, or help these missing people find a place to go, that's the work that ADRA will be doing and in Turkey as well. So you can head over to their website or give us a call or text at 0491 064 and we can direct you there. Sorry, one moment.
1: And it's a very important thing to do. I just you know, I'm just thinking about I lost my home <laughs> last year and I mm. experienced a little bit of displacement and looking back now I don't know how I would have done without my support network because I immediately had a group of people around me who were offering me places to stay and so I didn't have to link in with a charity or with a you know government organization even though they were reaching out to me because I had that support yeah. network and so if people like there's so many people who don't have the lonely Absolutely. don't have support networks so yeah please uh, do help those people because displacement really really can shake a person up so
0: Monica, thank you for saving me there. I needed to sneeze really bad. Uh, But, hey, we are back continuing on with our stories this morning. And I mentioned in our intro, we're going to talk about surfing. The world of surfing and professional surfing. The WSL, which is the World Surfing League. Now, in 2018, the WSL made a move. And being one of the first really major global sports to do this, on uh, creating quality between male and female pay. So they made this move. They said there will be equal pay from now on. There have been some unforeseen effects as a result of making the move towards equal pay. Some promoters have found it difficult to run events because they're like, there's so much, there's a much bigger budget now that they have to pay out. But, but, but simultaneously it's like, okay, it's good that women are getting paid. There has been some talks as well as a result of, there are some conditions that, will throw men into but not women into. Like what? Like as in when the swell gets bigger and bigger and bigger, there's oh. there's a different cutoff point. Okay. And as a result of that, there's been questions of, oh, well, if they're getting paid the same, then women should just... should Face should the same perils. Face the same perils. But then simultaneously it's like, do we really want to do that? Mm. And so it's created a bit of an ethical <laughs> question. But that being said, you know, despite that, I think that... Looking for equal pay. And I think in a in an industry like surfing, it's it's possible because there's a more... I think although we can see, and, and this is just a, a true fact, you can go and watch a surfing competition yourself, that the level of the male surfers is higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, simultaneously, I think that female surfing gets as much attention as male surfing. And mm-hmm. the female surfers are just as big as the male surfers... And so as a result, equal pay is possible. You know, you have the dilemma in, say, the NBA with basketball where the WNBA just has no viewership. And so they want to pay them equally, but they just literally.
1: There's no funds for that. There's
0: no funds for that. And even from a percentage base as well, they can't do it because the WNBA loses money. Yeah. They yeah. can't even they can't even give them so the same. If you just take percent. gender
1: out of the equation and look at it from a business perspective, yeah. it doesn't it, it doesn't add make up. sense. Yeah.
0: But that being said, WSL, they've made these moves. We want to support women. But now the WSL has taken the step of allowing transgender athletes to compete in their personal preference of gendered event.
1: Oh, so now the men who didn't couldn't like win in the men's contest can now win the same amount of money by pretending to be a woman.
0: And this is the Ugh. big controversy that's taken place. Now, the scenario that you have placed just now hasn't been one that's been the talking point. It's more just been the idea that and and specifically the the one that's really champion championing uh backlash against this is a very famous professional surfer, Bethany Hamilton. So you would know her, the movie Soul Surfer. Mm -hmm. She was a very famous, talented surfer who had her uh, arm
1: bitten off by a by a shark. It was a seal? I thought. No, it was a
0: sh- It was a full-on shark.
1: I, I'm okay. Anyway, let's move on.
0: Misremembering, but no, it's a full. It's a f- Brayden,
1: can you Google that for <laughs> us, please?
0: <laughs> she got. She got her arm bitten off by a full-on shark, but has continued her surfing career. Does incredibly well as as well. She's competing in the WSL one-handed so incredible stuff mm. uh, but she has spoken up as someone who's competed in the WSL for like 15 years and she says you know okay uh, you know we're all for supporting people we're all for love and safety and all of these things but can you say that taking testosterone blockers for 12 months constitutes the right to being able to compete in a woman's sport
1: yeah but it's been happening in every other sport so of course it's going to happen in the surfing
0: yeah absolutely. but this is the point that she's making is yeah. is uh you know
1: taking testosterone on does not make you a woman yeah
0: does it does it give you the ability to compete in the women's category and the next question that she asks is, okay, if WSL is so on board with women and women's equality, did they why did they make this change without even consulting women? yeah is this something that They're that at a
1: disadvantage. They've just put them on the back foot now. That's right. Why and that move?
0: now you could say from uh, from their perspective is oh no we're we're putting the rights of transgender people on you know an in equal footing with with women's and men's rights as well, but simultaneously it's not mm. it, it's it's just not and it's something that we've talked about here on the show before and we're seeing it play out very soon. You will have two categories in sports. You have a male category. And a co-ed category. Yeah. And that's exactly the direction that the WSL is going. And it's good that big, respected surfers aren't too scared to speak out about this. Mm. And they're saying, guys, is this is this right? Is this right?
1: Just like a chromosome games.
0: But, hey, give us your thoughts. 0491 064 669. You're listening to The Breakfast Joe Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. And we're going to have another... Clue for the quiz.
1: You are doing so well with saying that right this week. I, I mean, this. but you know, do you notice
0: how I have to slow yeah, down I, I to I really see your think, cogs think about turning. it? Because like, <laughs> oh, if I say it wrong, I will be fired.
1: But that's the first step of getting it right. You have to think about it, and eventually okay. you'll be able to do it correctly unconsciously. That's
0: amazing. I'm hoping. Yeah. I'm hoping that takes place.
1: I'm going to draw you a diagram in the next song break about okay. what's happening in your brain right now. All right, thank you. Just a bit of psychology for you. Mm. Okay, what creature am I? This chewed up a vine that God had provided as shade for Jonah. 0491064669. You can go in the prize to win the double set of revived cafe cookbooks. I almost wish there weren't photos on these sheets of paper in front of me because it makes me so hungry looking at these delicious pictures of food. Mm. But give us a call or a text if you can tell me what creature am I. This chewed up a vine that God had provided as shade for Jonah. That one is worth 300 points.
0: And shout out Raphael, Janelle, other Raphael. We have we have a couple Raphael, Raphaels. And Braden for getting correct answers in.
1: Well done, guys.
0: But right now we are going to go into our interview of today. And as we were talking about natural disasters and we are talking about Adra just before the break, we have on the phone Luke from Adra.
2: Luke, are you there with us? I am. Thank you very much for having me again.
0: Oh, fantastic. We are so glad to have you because especially at this time, we are incredibly interested to hear about the work that ADRA is doing. Uh, We're in incredibly tumultuous times. We're seeing all kinds of natural disasters taking place on Earth. And we'd love to know what is it that you guys are getting involved in?
2: Um, So the, uh, as everybody would know, the terrible earthquake in in Turkey and Syria has uh, affected a huge number of people over there. We have teams in in both countries um, working to meet the most urgent needs Mm. of the people who've been affected. It's a huge area, um, more than 9 million people affected by the earthquake in, in some way. So you have to think about in addition to the the terrible tragedy of people who were actually in buildings that that collapsed or or had close family members in buildings collapsed, uh, a huge amount of infrastructure has been destroyed. Mm. Um, so sewerage systems, water systems, food supply networks, electricity, um, heating, cooking, all of these things have been disrupted for for millions of people. Mm. Um, and and you put on top of that also that um, you know the economy in in the area has been largely destroyed. There's, there's you know most people have lost their their source of income as well. Uh, so you put all of that together, you get a, a huge amount of need. Um, mm. Some of the most urgent needs uh, in both countries at, at the moment are shelter. Mm. Um, it's still winter there. It's still very very cold. Yeah. Uh, so we've been working to provide good quality uh, tents for people. But also, as I mentioned, you, you have a lack of, of sewerage systems, you have a lack of clean water, you start to get hygiene problems, health mm. problems very quickly. So that's a really urgent need at the moment. Food is, is being bought in and and, and, and water to some extent um, as quickly as can be, can be achieved, um, but it, there's, there's still such a huge scale of need. We've had incredible support in Australia and around the world from our donors. Um, people have been very, very generous helping others uh, who are suffering in this time. Uh, but it, it, it's a drop in the bucket compared to to what's needed over there at the moment.
0: I'd love to know, what is the size of the, this ADRA force that is in Turkey and Syria at the moment?
2: So in Turkey at the moment, uh, we have a team of only about three or four people. Okay, um, They're working with local organizations and local mm-hmm. church members uh, to support the response there. Mm-hmm. But Turkey is, is actually a very difficult place for NGOs to work. Sure. So we're having to be very careful there, uh, but they are in there, they're on the ground in the area and they're doing a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Um, in Syria, our team is a bit bigger. We, have had an office in Syria for quite a long time. Mm. They've been working in this part of the country during the whole of the civil war. Mm. So they're very experienced. A lot of locals, they know the context, they know how to work in the area. Um, We have about 20 or 30 people there, but what they, they are looking to scale up as much as possible um, because It it is really a huge disaster. So at the same time that every day they're going out and they're helping thousands of people in evacuation centers, providing food, water, warm clothes, um, hygiene items, uh, particularly for women and and, and girls. Um, At the same time as they're doing that, they're also sitting down and they're looking, they're hiring new people, they're connecting with donors and trying to get more money, they're designing new projects um just putting in a huge amount of work day in day out, constant non stop uh, trying to get the resources and the people uh, to help as much as possible
0: now I had been reading that a number of aid organizations had their their things their supplies and whatnot caught up in the in in the civil war and in some of the fighting that 's happening there, and things getting confiscated displaced and lost has has Adra run into any of those problems while they've been trying to help people in, in non Syria?
2: So we, we've been very blessed that that, that hasn't happened to mm-hmm. to any of our staff or our projects, and indeed, um, none of our staff have been hurt in the earthquakes, which we're amazingly blessed for. Because in in Syria, as I said, they have been work; they were working in the earthquake affected areas wow. when the earthquakes hit, mm. and and we actually just saw overnight tonight that there was another 6.8 uh, size earthquake mm. hit the area um, that's causing additional destruction, considerable distress. Um, and that also very fortunately didn't affect our staff. Mm. So we, we, we have, I mean, we are very careful and we work um, as well as we can to mitigate the risks of working in something like a civil war area mm. um, or, or a big disaster zone. But we have also just been blessed Amen. Uh, that, that we're safe and we're able to keep going out there every day and helping people. Mm.
0: That's amazing. That is truly amazing. We were just talk- just just before you came on, we were talking about the the aftershocks and the further earthquakes that have been happening and just how much destruction they're bringing. Yet, it's powerful to hear that those who I believe God has called to help and feel the calling on their heart to help have been protected so that they can serve the needs of others. That's incredible.
2: Mm. It, it It is, and, and we see it all the time in our work, you know. Mm. Um, the, the nature of people in need is that they tend to be in dangerous situations. Mm. And when you go there to help them, you, you to some extent put yourself in danger. Mm. And um, throughout all of Adra's work over many years, it, it hasn't been without incidents and, and and injuries and sometimes even deaths. But mm. on, on the whole, you know, we just feel God's protection um, when we're out there helping people. Mm.
0: Absolutely. Now I'd love to know just if you can give me a timeline, tell the story of, you know, the earthquakes happen and what has been the process and response that has happened as a result of, of, you know, of those earthquakes. You know, when did you guys get into ground zeros? How are you able to to help people and and what's the ongoing plan from there?
2: Mm. Very good question. So, um, Earthquakes, you, you may have heard, it's, it's been mentioned on the news, and in many places, You know, for search and rescue, the first 72 hours, the first three days are, are really crucial. Mm. Um, and, and we don't do search and rescue, we do humanitarian work, but mm. humanitarian work is what comes alongside the search and rescue. When people come out of the buildings, they're injured, they need medical care, they've lost all of their possessions, they've lost loved ones, they're in shock, they're... they're, they're traumatized, they're suffering, um, and then that's when you need to come in with the food and, and the, somewhere to sleep and care. So in in Turkey, uh, we were responding. We had people on the ground within a couple of days. Mm. Uh, in Syria, it was from day one. They were already in the area. The work that they were doing supporting refugees and, and low-income people and people displaced by the conflict they switched immediately into supporting people affected by the earthquake. Mm. People were coming into evacuation centers. Um, Our staff were there with food, with water, um, with blankets and clothes and things like that um, to look after them. And they've basically been doing that nonstop since. Mm. So with a natural disaster like this, you have the initial search and rescue phase. Um, There's still a lot of search and rescue going on, but it's, At this point, um, I mean, we're almost a couple of weeks on. There's not a lot of rescue happening, um, but people are still wanting to get possessions out of their old buildings. Mm -hmm. They're wanting to identify the bodies of of friends and and, and relatives. Mm -hmm. Um, So that work continues. Um, And then you have, in some ways, it's a massive logistical challenge. Um, You have to support huge populations of people without any of the infrastructure that existed before that they were living on. Mm. Um, So it's bringing in as much food and water, trying to get a local economy going again so that people in the area can can earn an income. Um, And then the challenges of of looking after people, in some ways, they only grow as time passes from the Mm. disaster. So, for instance, now, with this latest earthquake that just happened last night, some of the evacuation centers uh, have been damaged. Mm -hmm. And so people are not wanting to stay there anymore. Um, They're they're traumatized every time uh, they feel an aftershock or another earthquake. Uh, They're terrified. And so they're wanting to leave, but there's nowhere else to go. Um, And some people are going back to their houses because that's all they have. But the house is not, safe anymore to live in. It's partially destroyed another earthquake could bring it down completely. Mm. Um, so that's obviously a, a very dangerous and not very good situation. But uh, after nine days or 10 days in an evacuation center with no privacy um, and, and and very little comfort, you know, people will, will, will try to find some sort of better arrangement. Mm. Um, so the shelter... Um, cooking as I mentioned before hygiene becomes a huge issue you have these big tent camps um, with no good sewerage or toilet yeah. facilities um, so the needs continue to grow as you get you know in the weeks and months after the disaster and it takes a very very long time we call it the recovery phase of a disaster response It takes a very long time um, to get people into even even good, temporary arrangements that Mm. that meet all of their basic needs so food water shelter hygiene and and um you know livelihoods that is some sort of income generation so they can support themselves and they're not reliant on the constant delivery of aid because you want to get people back to a state where they can be self-sufficient Um, one of the other big emerging needs that we as the ADRA network are really looking at meeting is what we call psychosocial support. Yes. So I, I mentioned, you know, people are traumatized. They've suffered a huge shock, an incredible amount of pain and hurt. And, and they need love and care. They they need people looking out for them and, and caring for them and and helping them to care for each other. Um, and that is a, particularly for, for children, but people of any age, really, um, when they go through something like this, they're suffering, mm-hmm. um, in, in, inside, you know, even if they're physically fine. And so providing that care and that love, uh, is something that's going to be really important in, in the coming months, because that's one of the main things that helps people get back on their feet and start looking after themselves again, is when other people show that care,
0: to them first. Mm. Absolutely. And it's really powerful. I was going to ask you the question, but you just jumped into it. It's really powerful that you can inspire uh, and and try to help people, you know, uh, make those changes mentally as well, because it, it could just be, it, it could be such a difficult thing for them to just even want to take the steps to get back into regular life after something that is so terrible and dreadful and terrifying and horrific and so scarring happens in their life so it's great that adra is living up to that too and trying to help people get back on their feet feet both physically and mentally
2: thanks for being a part of the faith fm family join our community on facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM